Appreciate their hospitality. Had a good crowd last night, a lot of visitors. Have a good, have a good crowd this morning. Appreciate your being here. <clears throat> You're interested in, in spiritual things. In these lessons, we're looking at things that we can do. It's easy sometimes to get discouraged, isn't it? Uh, sometimes even when you're trying. Satan's always out to discourage us. As we talked about briefly in our lesson last night, the introduction to it, we talked about how Satan doesn't care about any of us. He's defeated, going to be completely defeated and cast into a place that's prepared for him and his angels. A place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of torment for all eternity. And he's going to go down tooth and nail, fighting against God. He hates him. He is the epitome of hatred and deceit and evil. And we ought not think of Satan as some little red man on a devil ham can, you know, with a little pitchfork. He's a powerful spiritual being. I don't understand everything about it. But when I read Ephesians chapter 6, it's frightening. Powers of darkness, principalities, powers, world forces darkness, headed up by the prince of this world, Satan. And like we were talking about, he, he doesn't care anything about me, you, our children, our friends, he wants us to be condemned because he's just getting at God. He, we mean nothing to him. And he can't do that directly, and the only way he can do that is indirectly toward God. Try to get something away from God that belongs to him, that's us. And the only way he can do that is that God has allowed us to have free will. God could cause us just to be in his grasp and never be let go, just like some who teach, you know, once you're saved, you're always saved. He could do that if he desired, but God wants service. He wants voluntary service. There's a lot of things in this universe that involuntarily serve God. The beauty of this, of nature, the stars in the heavens, they all give glory to God. They don't have a choice. It's involuntary. But God wants voluntary service, just like we do. We're made in his image. You know, my kids, I want them to love me because they love me. <laughs> I don't I don't want them to love me because they have to. I want them to come and hug, hug my neck and say, Daddy, I love you because they want to. I want voluntary love. I want voluntary service. God's that way. The only way you can have that is let them choose. Let us choose. Satan uses that to his advantage, try to get us away from God. So we need to understand that we can overcome that. He is a very powerful spiritual being. We're going to talk about that some in our, our next lesson. I've swapped these lessons. Uh, I was going to do the tongue this morning. I was going to do influence in a minute, but I'm going to do influence now. So I don't guess that matters much, but I just thought uh, it might apply better as I thought about it later. But when we talk about the tongue, we'll talk about what's behind that, and Satan's behind it. And as we talk about influence, and that's what we're talking about this morning, talking about your influence and the fact that you can have a proper influence. It's something that you need to know that you can do. We live in a society where, as we said, Satan's behind all the things that bombard us to try to get us to have an improper influence. If we do that, then we're not doing what we should be doing as children of God, those who would serve God, those who would strive to be holy, as we talked about last night. 
God wants us to have an influence that is good. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Now there is a challenge to that. It's not easy always to be the right kind of influence, is it? You ever do anything that would influence people for bad? We all do, don't we? Sometimes we come, you know, and we go headlong knowing better, and then we come along kicking ourselves saying, you know, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. It's a continual battle. I don't know about you, but it's every day it's something I work at. I want to try to be what I ought to be. Sometimes I'm not what I should be. But I have to learn from that and try to be better. There's the example of Jesus, and we'll talk about that. There's the perfect example of influence. And he sent his spirit to reveal his will to us that we might put that in our lives that we might show that to others and have influence on other people. Let's just think about that for just a little bit. When you talk about influence, you're talking about inflow. Inflow. That's what it means, to flow into. The action of flowing into. That's what the word means. Through your life, you flow into others. You have influence over them over their character. It's literally the capacity to have an effect on the character or the development or the behavior of somebody else. Your behavior, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you dress, all those things flow in to other people, whether you think they do or not. Some people say, oh, I don't have an influence. Oh, you've got an influence. It doesn't matter your age, you may be young, you may be middle-aged, you may be older, and you put yourself what category you want to there, but all of us have influence. It may be someone in the church who is watching you who you do not know watches you. It may be a young man or a young woman who has a little guy, little girl, that watches them and what they do. Somebody's watching you. It may be an older person who thinks that, you know, my influence, I, nobody ever pays any attention to me anymore. Oh, somebody's watching you. And you're having influence on them, the way you act and what you do and how you participate and how faithful you are or how unfaithful you are. You have an influence. It may be someone at school. It may be someone at work. It may be somebody on the ball team. It may just be somebody in the neighborhood. But you have an influence on somebody. Your actions, what you say, is having influence on somebody. And it could mean their eternal destiny. The way you steer them with what flows into them from you. Christians are to have that which flows from them. It is to be from the Spirit of God. You know, the Spirit dwells within the Christian. And the Bible states that in many places. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at that with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that's what you are. It's not a question that the Holy Spirit dwells within the Christian. You just come over to chapter 
6, verse 19. We read this last night. After you talk about fleeing fornication, he says there in verse 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? That you're not your own? Holy Spirit dwells within the believer. question is how. That's the big question. Those in the denominational world, and there's some who are Christians who have this idea that the Holy Spirit dwells in them literally, in some mystical way. Uh, maybe they say some unexplainable way, but they think He dwells in them in, in, in some mystical, literal embodiment. <coughs> I deny that. I don't think that's what the Scriptures teach. I think that the Bible plainly teaches the Holy Spirit dwells within me. But I think He dwells within me just like the Father dwells within me or the Son dwells within me. There, for every passage that you read about the Holy Spirit dwelling in the Christian, there's passages that talk about the Father who dwells within us. You look at First John chapter 4, and it talks about how the Father dwells within us. You can go to John 15, and it talks about how Jesus abides in us. In fact, he even talks about the Father taking up his abode in us as we follow his word and do his commandments and show our love to him by keeping his commandments. The Father doesn't dwell in me, some bodily, mystical, literal embodiment, neither does Jesus. But some people, when they think of the Holy Spirit, they think, well, it's different. well that's, that's deity. Father, Son, and the Spirit, they all dwell within the Christian, and they all dwell in the same way. And that is as we accept His Word, His will, and make it a part of our lives. Now that will change your influence on people if you do that. If the Holy Spirit dwells within us, if the Father dwells within us, if Jesus dwells within us, then it's going to flow from us the kind of things that will encourage and influence others to be like we are and have what we have. When somebody looks at you, can they look at you and say, you know, Christ lives within that individual. That, you know, the Spirit of God is in that person because of the way he lives. See, it's a mindset. Jesus spoke of this that it would be this way. The Christian life should flow into others, and he said, He who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he was talking about the Spirit there. That verse 39 says, But he spoke of the Spirit when he said this. Whom those who believe in him would receive, for the Spirit is not yet given, because Jesus has not been glorified. But when Jesus was glorified, when he was raised from the dead, he promised the disciples that the Holy Spirit was going to come to them in a special way even to them and reveal all truth unto them. And you remember they received the Holy Spirit in a special way by tongues of fire coming down upon them and speaking in tongues so that people could understand the word that he was inspiring them to say. But it's this word, this truth that was going to go out into all the world. And he said, you're going to start in Jerusalem, Samaria, other most parts of the earth. And he said, you're going to take this word everywhere. This word came from the Spirit. And it's that word that changes men's lives. That's his instrument. And he's just as active today, the Holy Spirit is as active today as Jesus is. Jesus is active in him. He always stands to make intercession for us. His, his word is there, uh, and the Spirit is there to, to cleanse. That's three tells you, you know, it's, it's the work of the regeneration and 
And this change that takes place by the power of the Spirit is the Spirit that cleanses us, right? It's not literally the water that does it. He tells us to be baptized in the water. And we're not going to receive that cleansing until we obey Him and come into Christ by doing that. But it's the Spirit that cleanses us. And as we make His ways our ways, His thoughts our thoughts, that will be in our lives. We, the Spirit doesn't come upon me like He did the apostles. But when I obey their word, the Spirit is in my life in that way as I make His ways my way. When I do that, that will flow from me to other people. I think that's what he was talking about here. When the Holy Spirit would finally come and be uh, giving the, the apostles the truth, guide them into all truth, and they would preach that truth, those who would believe on Him out of their heart would flow rivers of living water. How? Well, when you live like God wants you to live, believing in Him and believing in Him involves submitting unto Him and following Him and making His ways your ways and walking according to the ways that the Spirit directs through His Word that was given by the apostles, the Spirit lives in you. Christ richly dwells in you, right? Colossians 3, verse 16. And then you do all that you do in word or deed in the name of the Lord. And people see that. You look, for example, over Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Here's how the Spirit dwells in the Christian. Here's how that an individual who believes in Jesus, out of his heart flows rivers of living water. You want to have influence on people? We're going to talk about this evening, or then we're going to talk about going and teaching people. That's one way you're going to have influence on people, is teaching them the Word. And we've got to be involved in that. But another way that you teach is through your example, what you say and what you do, the influence that you have on the people that you work with and that you go to school with. What should flow from your life is rivers of living water, things that would encourage them to serve God and, and that would save them. How do you do that? Galatians chapter 5. In verse 16, he said, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the deeds of the flesh. If you're living according to the world and, and uh, about the, the, the things of the flesh, you're not going to have the right influence. Okay? You're not, that's not rivers of living water flowing from your life. If you're drinking and setting the wrong example and using profanity and you're not concerned about spiritual things in your daily life, that's not rivers of living water. That's things that will lead people to destruction. But if you'll walk by the Spirit, he said, here's the Spirit living in an individual. It's not a mystical, literal embodiment, but it's a mindset of making God's ways, my ways, accepting His will, walking by what the Spirit, by His Word, has given. And I want to tell you, that's living and active, right? The Word of God, living and active, chopping into a sword. And that is the Spirit's instrument. The Spirit is active today in the lives of Christians, through His powerful instrument, the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. It's the Spirit's instrument. What are you saying, Galatians, uh, Ephesians chapter 6? The sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. It's active. And if you put it in your life and live by it, it'll change your people. 
Galatians chapter 5, look down at verse 22. Here's the fruit of the, of the Spirit. Here's the fruit that will come from allowing His Word to be in your lives actively. What's going to flow from that that's going to have influence over other people? The fruit of the Spirit is love, and that's active. Love's not just a feeling. Love's not something you, you think. Love's something you do. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Now, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we walk by the Spirit, there's living by the Spirit. There's having the Spirit dwelling in your life. When you walk by, that means when you live by His direction that He's revealed through the apostles that we have in the Bible, when you live by that, when you walk by that, He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. No. We are to have influence by the mindset that we have in letting the, the Spirit flow through our lives, not in a mystical way, but as we walk and live according to Him. Look, look real quickly over at Romans chapter 8. Again, here's a passage that says that the Spirit dwells within us. You look at verse 9, it says, However, you are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him, and if Christ is in you, uh, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who has raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you, the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. And again, he's not talking about some mystical way, but he's talking about as we follow his word. It's a mindset, a mindset on God's ways and doing his will. Let's look back up in verse 5. He says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. It's a mindset that I'm going to do God's will, and I take that, that will and make it a part of my life. I let it be in me, not literally and bodily, that I, I just make it my way. Isn't that what Isaiah said that the people who would come to the mountain of the house of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, were going to do? They were going to come that they might be taught His ways and they may walk in His paths. A time when the Spirit of the Lord was going to be poured out. As we learn and as we're taught His Word, we make it a part of our lives. That's how the Spirit dwells within us, with His mighty instrument, the Word of God. And when it does, it flows from our lives and influences other people. How, how much influence are you having on people for good? Your influence, you got one. And it can be either good or bad. Proverbs 22 and verse 1, a good name, he tells us, is more to be desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. Understand, and those of you who are young, understand it while you're young, to have a good name, a good reputation. It starts now. You can't start out, and it's hard to ever gain a good reputation once you've got a bad reputation. And he says a good name is better than silver or gold. 
I told my kids, I said, you know, I want them to go work and make a good living. But I said, I don't care what you do. As long as you work hard at whatever you do and have a good name and love God and serve Him. I don't care what, you know, whether you make a lot of money or not. Enjoy what you do. Serve God. Have a good name. I didn't even tell me a whole lot of things when I got out. We were talking about that, something about our parents, you know, different generation. When I'd go out somewhere, about all daddy'd say, he said, you remember who you are. That's about all he'd say. Well, I knew what he meant. I was his son. If I went out and acted like I wasn't his, I'd pay the price about it. I understood that. didn't have to ask what it would be, but I didn't want it, didn't want it to start with. But remember who you are. child of God needs to remember who his father is. Remember who you are. You belong to me, the Lord says. You need to act like that. And he says that a good name is better than anything that you can gain materially. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1, A good name is better than good ointment. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. If you've got a good reputation. There's no Cherokee saying says, When you were born, you cried, and the world rejoiced. He said, live, They said, Live in such a way that when you die, you rejoice in the world cries. <laughs> Somebody does that, they've accomplished something. They live in such a way that there's influence. You know, and you can have influence even after you've, even after you pass from this life. If you had a good reputation, if you've had good influence while you're here, sometimes it carries on even after you've gone to the grave. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gift, that through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. <laughs> Abel was dead, still teaching. By his faithfulness. He had influence. But you can have it while you're here, and the Lord says you need that's where it needs to start. Matthew 5, familiar passage to us, but one that talks about influence. He says, you are the light of the world. Who? You. And you can be an influence. You can do all things through Christ who made this statement. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that it... They may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. He's talking about letting His ways flow through you that it might have influence on them. Your, your life flows into somebody. And Jesus said he's been good. Philippians 2 and verse 15. He said, Prove yourself to be blameless, innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. We live in a perverse, crooked generation now. Rome is a crooked generation now. Some ways may be more crooked than what we live in, but our society is getting right there with it, isn't it? You live in a crooked, perverse generation. We see the society in which we live, but Jesus says to the apostle. You live a good life. You live a pure life. You live a holy life. You have proper influence. From you should flow the rivers of eternal life. 
And in this dark, sinful, wicked world, and it's all around, he said, you be a light. Be a light. When you go to school, don't put the basket on. You go to work, don't put the basket on. Be a light. Be an influence. An influence for good. You can be. Or anybody can go around with a basket on. It takes courage. And we sing that song, be strong and courageous. It takes courage. It takes more fortitude to be a lot than it does to be like everybody else. Anybody can be like everybody else. You can go to school and be just like everybody else and talk like everybody else. You can go to work and be like everybody else and do what everybody else does and wear what everybody else wears. You can watch what everybody else watches. That's what's easy to do. He said, and you be a man, you be a woman, you be a godly man, you be a godly woman, you have the proper influence. That's a battle. Don't blame me, just read First Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. He's urging people there, oh, it was tough. It's not easy to live like an alien, a stranger in this world. But that's what we are. We're just passing through. We're, we're different. Everybody look at you as different. When you, when you live like the Lord, you're going to be different from the world. He said, I urge you therefore, brethren, as aliens and strangers to abstain from flesh and lust, which wage war against the soul. It's a battle to live the Christian life in our society. I'm not here today to tell you it's easy. But I'm telling you that you can do it. And anything that's worth doing is worth doing good, isn't it? Is heaven worth going to? Yes. Is it a struggle to get that? Yes. He says strive. The word strive that we find in the Bible, it comes from the word, the original word there is agon. Anytime Paul said, I strive, it's, it's agon. Most of the time it's agon. Where do we get our word agony from? You strive, you work. Is it worth it? Every bit of it. Every bit of it. I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from flesh and lust which wage you get war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so then the things which they slander you as evildoers they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. Even the people that make fun You'll be made fun of for doing what's right. I tell you, if you hadn't been made fun of for doing something right, you're not doing much right. <laughs> or you're not around very many people. I've worked every kind of job. I've cleaned out coverts. I've worked parts stores. I've mixed paint. I work wood construction. I work steel construction for some of the pillars of the community, buddy, I'm telling you. I finally had a pretty good job when I was living in Murfreesboro. I was day shift, and I got in maintenance. I really enjoyed what I was doing. And I worked with better people than I did when I worked second shift at some other places or when I was working steel construction. But they would still ridicule you for trying to live right. Every evening, they knew that I didn't drink, but every evening there's one guy, he was going to make a point. He was going to say, hey, Smithson, you won't go down to Blue Raider with us. Every time. 
I said, Brother, you know. I'm not going to mask. Oh, he just laughed. So I took my Bible and I'd read in there. It'd break. Rather than sitting over and listening to their filthy jokes and laughing at them, they'd ridicule me. Call me Ernest Angel here. Something, you know. First it bothered me. And it just gave me fuel. It just strengthened me. More they say, better more I was going to do it. I want to be an influence, but I want to tell you. They're watching you. you got influence on them. Even the ones that ridicule you and call you and say what you're doing to you. I tell you what, one of the fellows always give me the most static. I was surprised. One day he come up, waited to ask, because I always worked over a lot of times working in Maine. He, he'd go home early. I, he stayed around. And when everybody's gone, he'd come over and he'd have some trouble in his life. He wanted to know what, what, what I thought about what the Bible said. Boy, I wanted to. Why didn't you ask me that when you're making fun? You know, I just, I didn't do that. Or oh, thought, go see you, man. There's temptation to do things wrong even when you're trying to do right. But just to make the point, there's people watching. And you can have influence on people who you think you'd never have influence on. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that the thing that they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them. That's influence. Glorify God in the day of visitation. I'll tell you how to ruin the influence. You just be inconsistent. That's one way. You be inconsistent. You be sinful when you're trying to say that you're, you don't want to be sinful. Preach one thing, practice something else. Be hypocritical. You be inconsistent. You can't have influence on others to follow God when you won't follow them yourself. It's like last night we was talking about your sexual purity. If you want to be pure, don't just talk about it. Be pure. You know, you you got to help others be pure. You got you can't you got to be pure yourself. Sin gives occasion for blasphemy. People can see. Let me tell you something. You claim to be a member of the church, you can come in here and you sit on the pew every Sunday. You come every Wednesday night. Every time the doors open, you can be here and you go out there and don't live like you ought to live. You think people don't see it? Oh, they ain't see it, do they? And you can cause people who are not Christians to look at you and say, now, that guy, he claims to be a Christian, he's up there, every time the doors open, he's up at that place, look at him, look what he's saying, look how he's doing, look what he's saying. Now blaspheme God because of you. You didn't have a bad influence. You won't ruin the influence. You just be inconsistent. Paul said in Romans 2 and verse 23, he said, You who boast in the law and you're going to break the law, do you dishonor God? He said, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Why? Because here's a person who said, Here's what the law is. Here's what you got to do. And then they're going to break the law. Inconsistent. Causes them to blaspheme God because of the way you're at. Just be inconsistent or ruin your influence. You Guys, try to practice what you preach. Oh, and it don't take much. You do a whole lot of good, and just a little bit of inconsistency will ruin the whole thing. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1: Dead flies make the perfume uh, all stink. Doesn't take a few flies and a bunch of perfume to make it all bad. How much milk do you like to drink? when there's just one or two flies in it. 
and run a whole gallon against it. <laughs> Doesn't take much inconsistency to ruin your whole influence. He says, so little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. Just a little foolishness. All the good we can do can be run, but just a few inconsistencies. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline my body and make it my slave. That's every day. Paul worked at it every day. People just like us. And they got to work at it. He said, if I don't, he said, then I can preach to others and then myself can be disqualified just by some inconsistency. Another way is being modest. We talked about that one, spent a lot of time on it, we talked about it quite a bit last night. But you take a person who may be good in their speech and good in their actions, but then they just dress in modest, being modest, and it ruins it all. Proverbs 7 and verse 10 it shows us that the way you dress says something about you. You influence people by what you wear, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. And then in Proverbs 7 verse 10, he says, Behold, a woman comes to meet him dressed as a harlot. They may not have seen this woman before. Don't know anything about her. But her dress says something about her. You know what I'm talking about. You can see somebody. Now, they may not be a harlot, but their dress gives the influence that they are. How does your dress influence other people? We looked at First Timothy chapter nine or First Timothy two, verse nine and ten last night, and he talked about dressing properly and modestly and discreetly. We talked about how that modesty is a mindset, not just a set of measurements. And if, if I have the mindset that I want to make a claim to godliness, I want to set the proper example. I want to let rivers of living water flow from me. I want to have the proper influence on other people. I'm going to think about what I dress, how I dress. It's going to be discreet. It's going to be modest. It's going to be proper. As Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, as we looked at last night, it's going to be one that has to do with chaste and respectful behavior that shows the hidden person of the heart. Proper influence begins inside. He said, you remember, he said, it falls from with from within you. It start, proper influence starts inside and flows outwardly. So who you are, and that's your character. That's who you are. They said, you know, somebody said character is who you are when nobody's looking. Who you are really inside is who you are. As a man thinks, so he is. And it shows on the outside. And if a person's not dressing like they ought to, says something about them on the inside, and people can see that. They're influenced by it. Boy, there can be people who could be beautiful people. But they run it. There may be a person who may be physically a beautiful, outward, just physically. A, a, a beautiful person. Uh, for example, Proverbs 11, 22. He's a beautiful woman. But he said, A ring of gold in a swine snout is a woman, a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. She may be a beautiful person. Could be a beautiful person inside and out. But because of her lack of discretion, maybe in her, her ways or her dress, it's all ruined. 
all ruined. No value to, what value is it to a gold ring that you put in a hog's nose and let him root around in the mud? Well, it's kind of ruined the whole thing. Isn't it? Our influence can be ruined by immodesty. It can be, you want to ruin your influence? Just be unfaithful. Be unreliable. Can have influence if you can't be trusted? Can't be trusted? Can't be influence on somebody. All one time, also another time, you know, faithful one time, unfaithful the next time, just like having a flashlight works part of the time. Ain't nothing more aggravating than that. You ever been coon hunting for a flashlight like that? I mean, when I used to go coon hunting when I was young, go with those guys, you know, I didn't have the money they did, you know, I'd go with them old guys and they had those wheat lights, you know, you know, that, Back then, it was $150. Now, it'd be $350, I guess. You know, they had them, you know, they just turn it on. Go. I was out there with a rail-back six boat. There's one still down there in the Stone River. It just means you might as well not have That's aggravating. It's aggravating the people who have that kind of influence. Proverbs 25, verse 19, Like a bad tooth and unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in a time of trouble. We've got to be consistent. Consistent in our faithfulness. You want to be inconsistent? You want to ruin your influence? Then, then just don't do what you're asked to do or expected to do. Don't fulfill your duties. Don't strive to fulfill duties. Don't be trustworthy. Don't be trustworthy to God. I think what you need to do is be like Daniel. Now there's man's consistent. Proper influence on other people. Daniel 6 verse 4. You know, they tried to find everything that they could against him, but it says they found no ground of accusation or evidence or corruption as much as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Now there's good influence. And that's what we've got to have. And you've got to have that to the people that you go to school with and that you work with, they see it. And your brethren, they see it. Brethren need you to be a good example and a good influence. They need your service. We say, we come to what? We say we're coming to services. Services. What do you do at services? I think what you do at services, you serve. That's what you do at service. Well, they ought to do now, some people get that turned around. They come, they won't get served. And if they don't get served just like they want to, they get miffed and walk out, and sometimes they won't come back for a while, you know, and they get miffed because, you know, somebody didn't speak to me or they didn't do... Well, if everybody's serving, you're going to get some service. It's reciprocal. But, but the thing is, God says what your responsibility is is that you are to be influencing other people by your service. And you need to think about that before you ever come to serve. How are you going to serve? You think about today before you can't? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider. Stop right there. What does that mean? Consider. It means think about it, doesn't it? You've got to think about how you're going to have influence on other people. When you get ready to go to services, before you go to service, this is in the context of him talking about don't sing the assembly and we need to come together. God knows we need to come together and do together what he's going to do together. And he said you need to consider that before you get there. Consider how to stimulate one another to live in good deeds. 
If you do that, you're going to have good influence on people. But you can't do it if you feel like the sandwich. You can't have a good influence if you ain't here. That's one thing. You've got to be there. you got to be there consistently. you got to be faithful. That was the habit of some. You need to make a habit of being a good influence. That's faithfulness in it. Habit. Faithfulness. And having the proper influence. And he said you need to do that all the more. You see the day drawing near. You want to be inconsistent? Just allow yourself to be influenced by that which is wrong. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company what? Corrupts good morals. You can't be a good influence if you're allowing yourself to be influenced by other things because then that'll flow from you. You allow the bad things to flow in you, that's what's going to flow out of you. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 14, he says, Don't be bound together with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or fellowship with darkness? Christ with Belial? And the answer to that is not a thing. Not a thing. Don't have anything to do with it. Not if you want to have a good influence. Many other passages we can look at, but I just want to ask you, is your light lit? We said you've got to have the light. The light of the world, good influence. Proverbs 4 and verse 18 says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shines brighter and brighter until the day. The way of the wicked is darkness. Is your light lit? Are you setting the proper example? Are you having a good influence? Is your salt savory? Salt's good. If it has its properties, right? But it gets wet, it's running. No savory anymore. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how will it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's to be thrown out. He who has an ear, Jesus said, better listen to me. He who has an ear, let him hear. So, think about this. We'll close with this passage. Jesus said, Luke 17, chapter, verse 1 and 2. He said, there's going to be bad influences. There's going to be some people going to be bad influences. That's just inevitable. You're going to have them. But he's telling me and he's telling you, you better not be the one who's a bad influence. You better be a good influence. And he tells us through his word that we can be. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He says, things that cause people to sin, here's bad influence. Things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to that person through whom they come. He said it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. I don't think we want to be a bad influence. And the Bible tells us we can be a good one. Appreciate your attention this morning.